Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. We have excellent questions from from the committed check-ins. No, the commit six check-ins. Yeah. Yes, and also it feels like ages since we've spoken. It does. When was the last podcast? This time last week. Oh, you've been really busy though with EC Method. So you've neglected me and Andy for a week. Aww. Well, I've actually seen Andy twice. Yeah. Well, you've neglected me. Yeah. Why have you not travelled to Glasgow to come and see me since you're allowed? That should well, be I your have been time. like I've have been having really long phone calls with Paul. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> They're not having an affair. He's helping her with potential mortgage. <laughs> um okay that's an awkward way to put it out there (laughs) yeah just so you know (laughs) well i hope they're not having an affair speak to your fiance quite a lot now (laughs) um okay are you ready for the first question yes (laughs) yay bring it on (laughs) what's that bring on the wall i don't even know (laughs) what is the wall one of the best ideas for a program ever, and they only did like one series of it. Do you what? remember it, Andy? Was that the one where they, they were they were dressed in a velcro suit? No, so then they they were they were standing right, and then a wall would come towards them, and they had to like make that was in the hole in the oh wall. God, it just sounds like shit gladiators. <laughs> what was the point? Was that the whole point of the show? <laughs> and if they didn't make the shape, they got pushed into the pool. Right. Is that and, what the game was? <laughs> that was the game. It was bring on the wall. And I think it was uh, Dale Winton. And the, the catchphrase was, bring on the wall. But like, <laughs> what was like the context of, of it? Like, was it like you answer a question right and then the wall, then you have to get through nope. a whole... <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, just an adult version of the game that you have for babies. But we've got to put like a circle in the circle. Yeah. yeah. Got a triangle. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> You're using yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so surprising that there was only one series. <laughs> I mean, oh, shocking, truly shocking. <clears throat> okay, first question. How to get past the mental block of I can't do this when there are days where you have less control? Ooh. Like, and, and sorry, it's there are days that you have less control over. So like the things going on in the day, basically... I think this is a big one about just for me is just be staying flexible. Like the whole idea of what we try to teach people is not set regimented rules. It's try to make sure that things fit your life and life's not linear. It doesn't work in how you want it to work. Some days will. Some days will be exactly how you plan them out. But then there'll be a day where can your child sets fire to the house or your dog decides to can shit in the car and like. <laughs> All manner of stuff. Like life throws up some real weird, like some real weird ones. That's nothing. Nothing that's happened to me. I did sit far at the kitchen when I was a kid, but my dog hasn't crapped in the car. Um, but it's just about staying flexible. Like if something happens, it's not worrying about. It's not. It's about not sticking to the plan. The whole idea is, is that you play off the plan, similar to how we'd set up our calories. You've got a skeleton meal plan. But we want you to play off that as much as possible so that you don't get hedged into, oh my God, I've left my lunch at home, I can't eat. No, you can't. 
go to Tesco, fit something into your calories, fit something into your protein intake. And it's actually, the sooner that you realise that, the more things start to click and you go, ah, I actually can play off plan and I don't need to be freaking out if things don't go right. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that question that Emma um, answered on a post recently, like, what is the biggest mistake that people make when they're trying to get their nutrition right? So that that's the key there. It's like trying to, if you're trying to get it right every single day, then it's going to make you really miserable. What we're trying to encourage is embracing that imperfect action. And if there's a day where your dog shits in your car... <laughs> What was it? Joking in your car, your your child runs on your house. Yeah. You're like, you know, well, just these small things. These small things that can get small in the way. inconveniences. <laughs> You're like, well, well, that's that imperfect action going to have to kick in. <laughs> Do you know what I think we can actually learn a lot from in this question is the wall. Like, you don't know what shape the wall you're going to have to fit into when the wall comes and you have to be flexible. Oh my God. Who that knew is... that that random <laughs> thing was going to come in handy? So whenever you're like, oh, forgot my lunch at home, you can just be like, bring on the wall. And then... Exactly. The wall is never going to come to you with like a perfect square that you just stand upright in. The wall's going to come to you with like two arms over here, a leg in the air, upside down. And you just have to do your best to make that wall fit. Yeah. Does that mean that if you're standing in the kitchen at work and then you've forgotten your lunch, you just stand there and just go, (laughs) (laughs) can't eat, but I can fit the wall. Yeah, that is actually a really good idea because then it just reminds everyone that like, right, okay, bring on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's quite nice. It is like, bring it on. Like, it isn't going to be perfect. Yeah, there will be little changes you have to make. But the other point is like, it would be so boring if life was like quote unquote perfect. Like if every day was so the same that you could hit all your nutrition points exactly spot on and you could train at exactly the same time every day for exactly the same amount of time, blah, blah, blah. It would be so dull. So mm. like the joy of life is that it's there's variety there. Yeah. Variety is the spice of life, darling. <laughs> um, okay, ready for question two? Yeah. Sure. I think, can I just say I think that was the best answer to a question. <laughs> An analogy. Like yeah, actually analogy like I mean Andy's Andy's like Andy was like the most uh sensible there. Really great advice. Really great advice. <laughs> um okay, I just want to look good for vanity reasons. Oh Andy, this is exactly the post you put up this morning. It says, I've never seen my six pack before. Is it wrong to train just for aesthetic goals? No, of course it's not. Everybody wants to look good naked. So just embrace that fact. Simple. (laughs) It's perfectly valid. Like for me, yeah, I'm back to playing football this year, but my goals aren't performance driven mines are my, my one or my performance is aimed towards aesthetic for me like i want to look as good as i can and simple as um i kick in the arse off of 40 and if i can look as have a body that i'm ha- proud of happy days there we go i'm i'm happy that's my goal so yeah i'm gonna throw the other side of it in i don't think um for me personally that ever works so i, I have definitely in the past trained for aesthetics 
and I found it first of all really boring because like I, I was only training for aesthetics like my fitness went out the window because I wasn't like working towards that at all and then I became obsessive I came really like I proper scrutinized my body and then if like I couldn't see like every single ab or if I couldn't see like lots of definition it kind of made me miserable when objectively I probably was in the best shape of my life mm-hmm. but I was like chasing like a perfect body um, and I found for me switching the goal from just vanity to just just aesthetic to something like performance based made me so much more happy in my goals but that is it's it's completely individual don't you think yeah and I think it I think it's great that you're doing that Andy and you're able to not get obsessive about well I don't know are you Nah, I, I, I'm one of these people that like um I don't really get obsessed by anything. So, mm. like to be fair, with football, I will be that person that I'll be driving back from football, going fuck, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done this. But that's probably why I like the switch over to like training for aesthetic purposes. I don't have that same neuroses about my performance, mm-hmm. and I think it's because I played at a reasonably high level at sport. Right. I always over. I, I keep thinking that keeps going through my head. Even playing over thirty fives, we driving home at like half ten at night after playing football. Going, fuck if I we won like fourteen nil. You're sitting going, if I'd just done that, this would have happened. If I'd done this, and and whereas my for vanity purpose for me, I go in and switch off. My head just turns down. Um, yeah. I know how to train, and mm. I can just it's my sort of my avenue to not worrying about stuff but you're totally right it's it's totally about the individual you know it depends on how you're wired as how you or how you'll train and how you'll get towards your goal the best for you mm-hmm. do you think that there is and this is such a generalization and i don't really like it but i think that generally women struggle with this much more than men and I'm not saying that men don't struggle and I'm not saying that all women will but as Mm -hmm. like a general rule it does tend to be women that kind of struggle with that a little bit more and whether that's partly like societal norms of like the pressure on women to look a certain way or Mm -hmm. whether it's like partly self-inflicted as well but or, or whether it's just simply that it takes a lot more like if we're talking about abs here takes Mm -hmm. a lot more for a woman to get to the body fat levels that would give her abs than it does for your your average man to do that um so i don't know if that's part of it we actually were speaking about this kind of on the live last night and amelia so this this was quite a bold statement i think basically amelia said she doesn't think anyone can get to photo shoot lean or competing lean like maybe bikini show or something without impacting their relationship with food oh that's really interesting i'm going to put my hand up and disagree with that because i got on the last time i got into photo shoot shape i was absolutely fine with it actually when i competed previously in 2015 that changed my outlook on food but Mm. fortunately not to the point where i had to do anything i had to go and see anybody for it i managed to get my head back in place and go through it but the last time I did photo I didn't even track for my last photo shoot like I yeah but so this is where I think there's a difference right you're a man and 100% so like you actually have noticed this because that next level from photo shoot lean to competing lean that messed you up psychologically Yeah. yeah whereas for a woman 
that's probably going to happen with like photo shoot lean and i know these are sort of like arbitrary measures like you could do a photo shoot at any body size right it doesn't matter yeah. but we're kind of talking about like getting very very lean i guess yeah. it's the general do you emma do you agree with that i think so i've been thinking about it since last night so i was like mm, i probably do like i definitely think it's going to put it at risk and i think there's a you'd be an outlier not to have like some kind of impact or not for it to have some kind of impact on your relationship with food i think it's certainly possible i don't think it's very likely for most people yeah um Mm -hmm. and i also think there's a huge element and i'm sure amelia would agree with this of like your own biases like you're thinking Mm -hmm. all right when i did x that I had a really bad relationship with food or when I got that lean it really impacted me in this way or there's certain things like Amelia was like saying things like um oh there's certain behaviors that I would um describe as impacting your relationship with food or I would describe those behaviors as having a poor relationship with food where mm-hmm. and I don't think it's that clear cut because I think one person I don't know deciding not to go out for dinner might be very different than another person deciding not to go out for dinner if that makes sense like one person might be like oh I didn't really want to go anyway and I'm not actually that fast someone else might be like I feel I'm not going purely because I don't want to eat in front of people or something like that like there's a big difference in your why so I don't think it's just the action it's like the thought process behind the action that's really yeah. important and it's so easy for people to project that onto other people because they're like oh yeah when I stopped going out as much for food it was because I didn't want to go out for food because I was worried yeah. about eating extra calories where someone mm-hmm. else might just be like oh I just like didn't want to go <laughs> it was just another good excuse not to go because I didn't want to go anyway yeah what about um personal trainers that uh have like photo shoots with their clients like have like a bunch of clients and then they like diet them down and then they all do a photo shoot together like what do you think about that because that if that was the case then they might be potentially putting all these people in like a really bad relationship with food but then like you see the pictures and everyone looks really happy and pleased with themselves and yeah but you see that that's you know the absolute (laughs) cycle that you see with like almost every bikini competitor they're like you see them go through their prep and they're like it's amazing they do really well at their show and they're like look at me when I'm so happy here and blah 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 and then it's like a couple of months later they're like put the same photo up of them winning and they're like this was the worst day of my life like I barely (laughs) could get out of bed and I couldn't walk up the stairs and like I'm putting on a happy face but actually my relationship with food was really bad I had no libido blah 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 and you're like stuff like that literally happens every single time whether it's like a couple of months later or a couple of years later you see the same cycle all the time. Um, mm. I don't know if it's the same with photo shoots. And I think like Amelia did a photo shoot with her clients, but they weren't, I think the whole point was that you didn't really diet that much. I don't know. Right. They weren't like excessively lean, um, but excessively lean. And we kind of touched on this yesterday as well. It's so different for different people. And there's a huge genetic element to that. Like even things like when a woman loses her cycle because her like it's more that your brain is deeming you don't have enough energy Mm -hmm. so your brain thinks that you don't have or your brain either you legitimately don't have a lot of leptin or it can't sense a lot of leptin and part of that could be genetic i.e you don't have as many leptin receptors or you're not as sensitive to leptin for some reason so that means that that could happen at a higher body fat 
level for some people than other people. And it, again, like that would be excessively lean for someone because, you know, it's affecting your health that you're shutting down your reproductive system because your body doesn't think it has enough energy to mm. spare for that process. But that's not necessarily that that's going to happen at a given body fat percentage for everyone. It's very individual. So my point is that too lean for one person might be fine for another person and vice versa. Like it's not as clear cut as that. Um, but that does, that is a really good question, Shona. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how Amelia would feel about that now. And I know a lot of people do do that. And mm -hmm. I, I think it can be quite a motivating goal for people. And I know a lot of clients enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But is that long-term like a healthy goal? I don't know. I think it is one of those ones though as well that you probably won't realize that you're that way tuned in until you do it. So like a lot of people will probably not know that, um, you know, getting to being that lean is going to, is going to potentially give them issues. So unfortunately for a lot of people, it's until, not until they get to that point that they realize that actually there are issues there that need to be addressed. And it's quite, you know, that's the, that's the issue. You see so many people going into bodybuilding and they're like, oh yeah, I just want to get really lean. And then, then they're like, oh no, now I've, I've heard about all these people having issues afterwards, but I didn't think that would be me. So, you know, yeah, but it's, it's not, <clears throat> I think you're right that there's like a predisposition potentially, but I also think that it's quite causal. Like it's, it's yeah. not like, oh, we wouldn't have known you had these underlying problems. No, it's not so much there was an underlying problem. It's that putting your body to that extreme caused the problem. Caused the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think going back to like the, the vanity thing, like the, the, the way to like for different people and certainly for males and females, like the analogy I always like is, is the fact that a male can train and look at his body and miss out all the things that are potentially wrong about it like i've got amazing arms but i've got a beer belly it's because they're more inclined to think oh look for the look for this it's the same thing remember you you were telling me about the that you told me the stat about men will go for a job when they're not qualified and bullshit it and get the job whereas women are are probably more qualified but won't go for it because they don't think they'll get it and mm -hmm. it's the same thing with this like i what like you know especially like somebody like working alongside Shona. Shona's in like ridiculous neck just now. You've, you saw her when you were down. She's in frightening neck, but she's constantly, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. Like, but do I you think... think that's part of bodybuilding? Like, No, I think that's just in general. I think that, you know, working with clients stuff, oh, you know, I wish I had, I wish I had a better, I wish I had a better bum. Like you, uh -huh. but you look at the, like you, she's sitting, one of my clients sitting with a six pack. I wish I had a better bum. Like, look at the bone, look at the positives. We can work towards you getting a better bum if that's the case. But look at all the good things that you've that you've got going on just now. And I think as well, especially when it comes to how you look, we'll all have hang-ups. Like, you know, everybody has hang-ups, no matter what they say. You know, might be that like me, you've got a nose that's been broken thirty times and looks like somebody smashed me a frying pan. But you just got to deal with it, you know, but a lot of people still have those things in their head and they kind of worry about them. Do you think, so So the sort of like men uh, being more like overestimating their abilities, like is that the Dunning-Kruger effect type thing in action? Kind of? Uh, mm, no, I don't know. Okay. What, like, because that would be more like, that's more like... That's more like 
being aware no, of what you don't know. Yeah, okay, anyway, well, do you think that, that you've learned that as a coach, Andy, or do you think that you recognise that in yourself as well? Um, probably a bit of both, really. Um, <laughs> kind of, probably a bit of both. Um, like, I think just because of the amount of time that I've spent in the gym in my career, like, I am probably started using a gym at 11, 12 years old, started using weights, and I'm 39 this year, so it's, it's a fair few years of training. I think you kind of, you, like, as a bloke, I'm, me being me, I'm always positive, so I'll always look on the bright side, so I probably still do that to myself at times, and then if I look a bit deeper, I'm like, actually, I've like this is why I've kind of started a cut is because I'm sitting going getting really strong at the moment my shoulders and my chest and my arm are looking pretty good and then I'm like look a bit further down I'm like yeah I maybe need to tighten up the gut a little bit it's kind of it's but you know I think that that's not this is the thing right (laughs) like that's not even I don't know is that you saying that or is that like let's say last time I saw Andy it was like Shona and Laura like look how big your belly is now. <laughs> this is what I've got to deal with like uh-huh. all day Andy's like, like standing there like <gasps> like trying to suck <laughs> that's a shame nice. I, I don't think that it's because like so I like, don't doubt that you're a very positive person and that you are when you look at yourself you're like okay let's look, focus on the good things and I don't think that when women do that it's because we're not positive I think it's it's genuinely just the amount of pressure and high standards that we have to that we have to live up to with our body um because if it was just as simple as oh come on look at the bright side like you've got you've got lovely hair like it that life would be so much easier it's not like that yeah that's true yeah I always find it really sad when there's like that experiment I guess it's not even really an experiment but you'll ask someone to say something that they love about themselves and they can't say anything Mm -hmm. that makes me sad yeah even just we see it every check-in what are you proud of this week and some people are like I can't think of anything and I'm like come on surely there was something that you were proud of something you you did well the rest of the check-in and every single other column's got, I did this this week, I did this this week, I did yeah. that last week, you did yeah. it, and you're sitting going, look at the rest of your non, your NSVs, of all, look, there's hundreds of them. You've exactly. just decided to look past them and say that you've not done anything. Whereas actually, doing all that is good, is, that's why you're where you're at now. So yeah, yeah, I think it's... Okay, I have a question. Why do you think, generally, we don't like people that are really cocky? I like, you know, you're saying like, oh, you know, I see my arms, they look really good. No, I'm not saying that I don't like you for that. Like, your arms look great. Your shoulders look <laughs> you great. You just dislike me for other reasons. <laughs> it's, this, it's, it's the underlying reason. It's okay because no, I mean, always like, up his nose. <laughs> <laughs> you know when, I don't know, you'll see someone in the gym who like quite clearly is into themselves and like posing in the mirror and stuff and that like other people will comment being like, oh, he's so cocky. So he totally loves himself as if that's a negative thing. Why don't we like that? Why do so many people like James Smith PT then? <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and now we have to edit just... the podcast. Thanks, Shona. <laughs> no, What's like that? I'm not I'm not criticizing him, but like the fact is he is cocky AF, isn't he? Yeah, but I don't like yeah, and a lot of people will be turned off by that, I imagine. Mm. But a lot of people aren't. No, that's true actually. 
Yeah. What? So you don't think people are? But you know what I mean. Like generally, people are like, if you're, people will comment on someone who's like mega loves himself and be like, oh, as if it's a negative. Like they love themselves. They're really cocky. Like why generally don't we like that? I I think it might be like a sort of British thing. Especially like in West West Coast Scotland. Like I don't know if you if it's different over at your side of Scotland. Glasgow actually. like you're not allowed to be proud of yourself or your achievements you have to be kind of like self-deprecating all the time I think that's Britain in general isn't it yeah because if you listen to American people talk they talk completely they speak totally differently about themselves don't they Mm. like they're so proud of themselves I don't know if it's part of like (laughs) a lot of them are fucking deluded (laughs) is it trying to be humble though is that part of it I think it's maybe something that you're like I'll probably I'll say that I kind of do that because it's something that my dad taught me as a kid, like playing sport and stuff. Like you don't rub stuff in other people's faces. You don't um, like over celebrate and stuff like that. You know, you just get on with stuff because you've got another task to do. That's probably why I'm like it is because of sport is because like you can like celebrate and then go and fucking whooping around and stuff, but I've actually still got stuff I need to do and keep going. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think, there's probably a little, there'll be an element in there of people being jealous, probably. And they're like, oh, you you know what you're, you know what it's like? You get people who mouth off saying, oh, they're a cocky bastard. Meh, 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 meh. I could do that. Well, why is it I could do that rather mm-hmm. than I am doing that? Like, there's, mm-hmm. you, reframe it. Why aren't you doing it? If you or could do, you do it, why aren't you? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a good point. But do you think sometimes it's, people that are like i am doing that why don't i get the same cre-? or like i am doing that but i didn't talk about it in the same way like mm-hmm. you might see someone being like look at my massive shoulders and you're like i have better shoulders than that but i'm not yeah about i do it. i do think like if someone's cocky but they've got they've got everything all the evidence behind it like so for example emma if you were really cocky about knowing lots about stuff then I'm like, okay, well, that's fair enough because you do know lots about stuff. But if someone had yeah, did Yeah, but don't you think that if I was, it would diminish what I... Like, don't you think it's so much more impressive when someone's really good at something, but they're really humble about it? Mm, nah. And that is the Dunning-Kruger effect coming in because you're I aware of, like... I don't know a lot about stuff. I'm very aware <laughs> that mm. I know enough to know that I don't know very much at all. Yeah. No, sometimes I find that quite irritating when people are like, oh, no, I'm not that good. Shut up. I'm like, no, come on, just be proud. (laughs) It's comparative, Mm. though, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, really Mm. is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question. If I'm doing six sessions of training a week, in your opinion, what is the right mix in terms of strength versus cardio? What would a full week routine look like? Oh... Mm, for for number one it depends on what your goal is if you've got a goal that involves running like a 10k you might actually need to be slightly heavier on your cardio Um, but if it's body composition I would probably look at four sessions in the gym two sessions of cardio Um, it just all depends on how you want to set up your week and you know what your goals are I think this is kind of one of one of these things that I think a lot of people do um, kind of stress out over, but where do these things all fit? Um, and it's really down to what your what your end point is. Like, 
if you're running a marathon, you're going to have to do probably four sessions running a week and two in the gym because you need to get miles under the wheels to get to get stuff covered. But if you're fully looking on body composition, I'd probably go the opposite direction and go four or five sessions in the gym, potentially one cardio session. And it also depends on enjoyment as well. You know, you've got a lot of people who love cardio, like proper cardio buddies who maybe don't like the gym and resistance training as much. So actually maybe making a sort of even split of three and three might be better for them because it keeps them ticking over, keeps them motivated for the week. Um, so yeah, it just depends on where it fits into your, where it fits into your goal and what your plan is. Specificity, isn't it? Specificity. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think this has been coming up quite a lot, like this broad question of like, if I'm training X days a week, what's the best split? And there isn't a perfect split. And actually, it's going to be really, like, the difference between doing upper, lower, upper, lower, or push-pull legs, full body. Mm -hmm. You won't notice the difference. Like, it's kind of preference. It's kind of variety. Like, sometimes I'll program the committed programs upper, lower. Sometimes I'll, I'll program push-pull legs. Kind of just to give you a bit of change sometimes, and that's more from a motivational standpoint than it is from a physiological standpoint. But yeah, yeah. you could you could do like upper lower and full body and do that twice, or you could do like you could even go like more bro and do like back and buys, chest and tries, hamstrings and glutes, shoulders and quads. I don't know, whatever. Like it probably doesn't really matter the only real impact would be something like if you were massive like you have one day for biceps one day for legs and then you're not training them again until the next week like the benefit of splitting body parts or like um doing closer to full of like maybe push pull or full body type splits or upper lower is that you're hitting those body parts more frequently however yeah. even when you say that and think about it like most of the bicep exercises you do, maybe biceps is a bad example, but like you're going to be using a bit of your back for certain ones. Like it's not as simple as like bench press only uses your chest. Like you're still going to use your triceps and your shoulders in that. Like a yeah. lot of the time, actually, you're like, oh, but then you don't train chest again until the next week. Well, actually, you kind of do because most exercises are going to use more than one uh, like isolated muscle. Um, so basically my point is I wouldn't worry too much. There are loads of ways to do it that are going to get you fantastic results, but also you're on commit six. So we've already programmed for you, so you don't need to worry at all. <laughs> yeah. Win. Win, win. <clears throat> okay. Tips on correcting strength asymmetries. For example, unilateral exercise, extra sets on the weaker side or even a fourth workout just for the side that needs help. Shona, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are don't do extra sets on the side that's weaker because that's just going to make the situation worse because then you could make that side stronger uh, <laughs> than the other side. So yeah, um, yeah, focus on your unilateral exercises as you are doing. Uh, just really focus on them and make sure you're using the same weight and... Um, train to the weaker side so don't use like a heavier weight for the stronger side and a lighter weight for the light the weaker side use the same weight that you can actually manage all the reps for the weaker side yeah i think good one in that is you nailed it down but symmetry as well so like if you're doing if say for instance your your weakness is shoulder press make sure that your movement pattern's symmetrical so you sit yourself in front of a mirror 
watch that the movement is the same up on the way up rather than yeah. flying around and do that. Focus on focus on good clean movement. Um, and as exactly as Shona said, this whole like I don't know I don't know why this came up as a, 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 a something that people did was using a heavier weight on the weaker side. I don't know if it was something that some nut bar in America or somewhere else decided to start chucking up. Oh, I can only squat or I can only leg extension 20 on one side, so I did 80 on the other. Like mm-hmm. all you're doing is you're just you're forcing the you're forcing the the problem to be worse because you're going to make it lag behind. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's important to note that it's actually really normal to have one slightly stronger side. Yeah. It's probably almost inevitable that you've got like your good leg. Like if you're doing pistol squats, for example, a lot of people can do it on one leg, but not the other leg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like you'll be more flexible on one leg or <clears throat> it tends to be actually a good example from Andy on like shoulder press. There's always one that goes first or even on like uh, chest press. There's always like one arm that like mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be able to get it that's totally normal I wouldn't stress about it if you have a huge imbalance like you've injured one leg for a long period of time and it's been completely immobile there might be that like in that specific instance there might be some Mm -hmm. like if there's a huge difference like one leg I can I don't know um leg extension 50 kilograms the other one is on 10 because it's been injured Mm -hmm. that there Mm -hmm. might be a a situation then to do some more work on the one that's only on 10 but they will actually probably normalized fairly quickly this is it's also a good reason to use um resistance kit like actually um fixed machines because generally you you will get unilateral machines so the machines that work independently either side yeah but but they always feel crap don't they yeah i don't know what it is there's only there's only one or two that i've actually ever used that that actually feel like the right movement when they're unilateral but like things like the shoulder press where both handles move together, actually doing something like that will help you run a better movement pattern than trying to load one side up heavier than the other. It's probably going to rectify any tension through it. Is anyone but, else just getting like feels about going back to the gym from that? I'm like, oh, machine weights. I'm just like, I just want a leg extension and a leg curl. That's all I want. I don't want oh, anything Do you know what I'm thinking about? You know those, um, I think it's hammer strength. They're like shoulder press, but you, they're plate loaded. And they yep. just feel, oh, they feel so good. <laughs> but it's like shoulder press, but it's actually probably more like incline chest press. Yeah. So smooth. The best machine so, in the oh. gym is still the one that sells all the Kit Kats and stuff. Though. Oh, right. What's that called? The vendor. <laughs> in fact, if anybody knows of any good vending machines, get in touch with Shona because they're oh, looking yeah. for I'm looking for one. A little segue in there. Did you like that? Thanks for that. Yes, um, please, say... please write in with your vending machines. Uh, or if any vending machines want to sponsor the podcast. What a free sp- uh, vending machine would be amazing. That would be so good. I was going to say, I don't know if this is true, but I tore my calf a couple of years ago and then I read somewhere that, because I was like, what do I do with my other leg? Like, I can't just not train that leg for this time. Like that, I can't train my my leg that I've torn the calf on and I read somewhere that if you continue to train the leg that is not injured there are like neurological strength benefits to the other leg so that's what I did I don't know if it had any impact in like the speed of the recovery um, yeah and there's also evidence that thinking about training that leg is beneficial like imagining doing it yeah yeah crazy 
Yeah. So if you if you do happen to miss a gym session because like your dog has pooed in your car, maybe just sit there think and think about training. (laughs) My quads haven't gone anywhere. I've been thinking about a leg extension for four months. And he actually won't shut up about the leg extension. I'm <laughs> so excited. <laughs> Honestly. I might just what are you going to do for your first session? Just leg extension? Just leg extension. I'm going to do about 400 sets. Fair. Throw up and then go do some leg curls. Right. Next question. Wondering about balance. Is it better to be as on target as possible to see the best results in six weeks or allow some slip-ups like a takeaway or alcohol to learn how to best manage them oh sorry it's a, that... a hiccup halfway through that <laughs> um well it depends what you want out of the six weeks like do you want to learn how to implement this into like your normal life and if your normal life involves you getting the odd takeaway then yeah do it and practice that balance or if you want like six weeks of committing to whatever it is like committing to the calorie target every day then do that but it's entirely up to you and I think that's um when people check in with us and they're like oh I'm really sorry I didn't do that I had a takeaway I had a really nice meal with my partner or something like that we're, we're like that's fine because that was your choice and, and you have to own that and and you're practicing imperfect action so yeah I'd say it just really depends on what you want out of these six weeks <clears throat> yeah I agree and I do think that it, just from the way I'm sure you don't mean this but just from the way it's worded like don't go out of your way to incorporate things that you like <laughs> it would be like me being like I'm gonna force myself to drink during these six weeks even though I never drink just to prove that yeah. I can do it don't mm-hmm. force slip ups but well maybe not slip ups but like you know drinking or takeaways uh but if you normally have them in your life then yeah we want you to incorporate them and it you might have to say you're someone who's having a takeaway four or five times a week there's probably some compromise to be had there like once a week maybe would be a good thing so compromise as opposed to sacrifice is what you we want you to go for and i i'm actually far more impressed by people who incorporate like the principles into their life as opposed to put their life on pause stick to everything for six weeks and then at the end of it like great results but they can't maintain them that's not really what we're about. So I want you to live your life. Um, yeah, that would be my point. I have nothing more to add. I actually think just one thing I want to add, because now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I don't think, right, say there's two situations. One person sticks to everything absolutely religiously and doesn't have any takeaways or anything. And the other person has a couple of takeaways, has a night out, but stays within calories for the week each week and hits their protein target at least six days of that, there would be absolutely no difference in your outcome. Because it's not like it's not the takeaway that makes any difference. Especially if it's like if you've allocated it and you've you've like tracked it and you've accounted for it. Mm. It's the reaction to that that's gonna be the problem is if you're like, oh I like if you call that a slip up and you're like, I slipped up, I had a takeaway oh, there's no point doing anything else. Oh, I'm just, do you know what? I'll start again tomorrow, but then for the rest of the day, I may as well just eat what I want because then I'll just start on Monday or whatever. That's the problem. It's not the takeaway that you've put into your calories or it's not the nice meal out that you've planned for and saved a couple of calories each day for. 
in fact like that will make absolutely no difference to your results so Mm -hmm. that's something to remember as well okay I popped a question on the Facebook page about working out in the morning if you know it's a heavy calorie day ahead what's the reasoning slash thought process behind doing this or not a previous plan I've done splits carbs and protein heavy meals to whether you've done a workout or not related if I know I will have more calories one day or I want to can I up my activity levels to counteract rather than cutting back on my calories I think the first thing that we need to work out here is is that using exercise as a way to justify calories is not a good way to think about it um, all you're going to do is going to promote a shit mentality when it comes to eating and a shit mentality when it comes to training so I think you need to <clears throat> kind of stop thinking about justifying what you're going to do and as I say exactly like the last question you don't preempt a slip up like a slip up's a slip up don't preempt I'm going to have a massive I'm going to just have a binge or I'm just going to go and eat loads that's like, that's not what it's about. It's about trying to stick to what you can do. If something comes up and you've got a social occasion, deal with it, work it in, save a couple of calories, save some calories from the day, couple of days before. But don't don't think that ex- we don't use exercise as a method to burn calories. I think that's the biggest the biggest thing that we need to realise. Um, and I know a lot of plan a lot of plans and still a lot of fitness professionals. That's what they preach is you train to burn calories you don't train to burn calories at all yeah, like, or you train to earn your meal yeah that's and, and that all that does is it just makes you become shitty towards exercise i've got to do this so i can eat <laughs> so you half arse it rather than enjoying like you know somebody who enjoys training who then gets told oh you need to tr- you need to train before you can have a meal like what kind of relationship does that mean you end up having with food and also with training like training's supposed to be enjoyable you're supposed to have fun when you're doing it and you know you want to go and do it again um but yeah they don't look at it in the terms of using it as a method of burning calories that's probably the the, the furthest thing we want you to be thinking about mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of touches on other things we've spoken about on this podcast where actually the same behavior, depending on the mindset that you have behind it, has a different impact. Because there's no denying that exercise or increasing activity levels will burn more calories. So technically, let's say you ate 200 extra calories, but then you did, I don't know, 5,000 extra steps. Yeah, you will have burnt that off. Mm -hmm. But that isn't how we want you to think of it and it's just a very slippery slope and I think some people come into it and they're like well if that's the case then like I don't really see the problem in that but actually like if you start thinking like that and then you're like oh well it doesn't matter what I eat I'll just like exercise more and then you get people trying to like run for hours and hours a day because they've had an you know like an extra bit of whatever it Mm -hmm. is just a slippery slope and it isn't how we want you to think about exercise so completely agree with what Andy said there and I think that's the most important part from this question um I'm just trying to think what else uh there was there was something that I picked up on and it sounded like they were trying to the like a previous plan they were on what was that part of the question yeah a previous plan I've done splits carbs and protein heavy meals to whether you've worked out or not yeah I think that's way overcomplicating it you don't need to do that and again, that's like um, if you're wanting to have a protein and carb heavy meal, then you're like 
oh, I've not trained today. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's still, as Andy says, you're still having to, like, earn your food. That's way overcomplicating it. And life, again, doesn't work like that. Yeah. We're, we're not back in the prehistoric ages where you had to go and chase a woolly mammoth to eat it. Like, <laughs> you don't need to earn any food nowadays. You can just go and open the fridge. Uh-huh. So having that having that mindset about food is just going to... As Emma said, it's just a slippery slope. It's not something that you want to be broaching because it has the potential to really screw your head up when it comes to thinking about food and exercise. And, you know, this is the big issue. Diet. Diet is not a bad word. Diet genuinely means the food that a person or community eats. That is the definition of diet. Do you know what the original definition is? A way of life. A way of life. Right. And that's exactly what it is. Like diet is not a bad word, so don't give it the negative connotations of "I need to earn it." Well, you don't need to earn it. Like you need to, like you. If anything, you're already earning it because you're walking about and you're living. Like yeah. you still you're alive. Have, you're you you're need alive. to eat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think as you know, as you said, that slippery slope is there, and you just—it's not a slope that you want to start edging down because it could snowball quite quickly if you do. Yeah. I also think that it's such a shame because I see this happen that it completely just ruins your enjoyment of exercise. So it used to be like, oh, I get to go for a run because I love running and it makes me feel good. And now it's, oh, I've had this for breakfast, so I now need to run it off. Like, yeah, that is a completely different enjoy. Well, I mean, lack of enjoyment if you think of it as just like burning off calories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing about what Shona was touching on about like you know eating certain meals around training and things like that it's quite a short-term mindset and given Mm -hmm. the kind of training that most people listening to this podcast are doing i.e maybe 45 minutes to an hour in the gym or like if you're in scotland still home workouts and things like you don't actually need that much (laughs) fuel to do it you and also even if we were looking at it like you've earned x you haven't really earned that much from purely the exercise that you've burnt off because that isn't why we're doing exercise. You may have a Malteser. That's all you've done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've got a sneaky little question that's just come into my inbox. (gasps) Can you ask on the podcast what a puck yes is? I feel silly not knowing. (laughs) Oh, okay. So puck yes or no actually comes from an article by mark manson which everyone should go and read it's but it's actually called fuck yes or no and i just use puck yes and if you've not seen summer heights high you also need to see that 100 <laughs> percent. but basically the the notion is if something is not a puck yes it's a no and it's quite mm-hmm. a nice way to think about like treats in your diet or something like if if you're like, oh yeah, this ice cream, although it's over my calories, is a puck yes. Like I really want to try it and it it's a massive yes for me. Whereas you, if you get like the dessert menu and you're kind of like, mm, not really sure what I want and nothing's really jumping out on me, it's a no. Mm-hmm. And I think the, so I've obviously translated it into dieting examples, but the original article is about dating. All right, okay. Yeah, so, so it's like, if someone's not a fuck yes, they should be a no. Right. But he like kind of goes into it a bit more. So it could be like, it's not necessarily like you meet someone and you're like, well, I don't want to marry them right now. So it's a no. You mm-hmm. might be like, yeah, they're a fuck yes to get to know. Or they're mm-hmm. a fuck yes to this date. Like they're a fuck yes. I want to spend a little bit more time with them. Like it doesn't have to be like, I want to have their babies. Right. Okay. Um, great answer. 
Yeah. So, so that's a nice way to think about it. And then it kind of, you're never saying to yourself, and I think this is one of the problems that people face with dieting is when they over restrict and it's it, restriction is actually perceived as opposed to absolute. So if you can sort of have like mental models in your head around how you choose to make these choices within your diets that don't feel restrictive. Like another one I use is like if you if you're trying not to eat in the in the evening, like after your dinner, mm-hmm. because that tends to be when people fall off the bandwagon or when they overeat or when they snack a lot. Just tell yourself whatever you if whatever you want now, you can have in the morning. You just can't have it now. And then you're it doesn't really feel restrictive because you're like, I'm pretty sure you can wait a couple of hours, well, whatever, 10 hours to have this. But the the kind of magic of it is you very rarely wake up and think, yeah, I still really want that Kit Kat Chunky first thing in the morning. You're like, yeah, you're probably not going to do that. And part of the reason, like there's so many factors that come into this, like it's habit of overeating at that time of night. But also you're normally tired, potentially emotional, depending on the day you've had. You've maybe got decision fatigue because you've been awake for however long. And you just tend to make quite poor decisions after about 7 p.m. So having little rules like that, which make it feel less restrictive, to me anyway. And again, this is the t- like everything we've spoken about today. It seems to come back to this. But for some people, that will feel really restrictive. For other people, it will feel really freeing. And the way I like to think about it, like when looking at food choices as well, is it, I never want people to say, I can't have that, I'm on a diet. But you might say, I'm choosing not to have that at the moment because it doesn't align with my goals. Yeah. Like, And I don't mean that you have to say that out loud to your colleagues. Like, <laughs> do you want a piece of cake? No, I'm choosing not to have that at the moment. It doesn't align with my goals. But you can say that to yourself. Like, that's more important. So you're not saying to yourself, I cannot have that because then immediately you want it you're just saying it's my choice i don't i don't want it at the moment because it's not aligning with my goals at the moment but i'm also completely aware that i can have that whenever i want it and i think that's an important distinction yeah i've got a question like this is not helpful for the podcast whatsoever but see if you had a year and you said yes to everything but not puck yes just yes to everything and then you had another year where you said no to everything. Not hell no, just no. Which year do you think would be better? It's going to be the yes year, isn't it? Is it though? Like every single thing that you, is asked of you, you say yes to. I but think this, this is where I think people don't understand. Saying yes to one thing means saying no to absolutely everything else. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I get the whole like people like, oh, you know say yes to everything for a week and watch your life change freaking awful advice like Mm. you'll just be doing stuff you don't want to do and I think it depends like where you are in your life and maybe your career as well like there were definitely stages of my career where I was like yeah I'm going to say yes to every single opportunity because I've got time because I've got energy because I want to see where everything leads and I'm still in like an exploratory phase Mm -hmm. but then like now I'm gonna I say no to more things than I say yes to because my time is more valuable and I don't have as much time to play around with and actually a really good analogy for this is like when you go on holiday and say at the start of your holiday so you've got like a two-week holiday or something or you're you're visiting somewhere you might be like yeah I want to try everything like I'm gonna try this restaurant and this restaurant and and like we went there last night and it was amazing but let's try something else 
And then on your last night, you're going to go to the restaurant you know was really good, right? I think that kind of sums it up. You're like, when you have lots of options and lots of time to explore those options, you probably want to try them all. But when you know you only have, like, if you only have one last night, Mm. you're probably going to be like, I want to make sure that I'm going to a restaurant that I enjoy, that I know is already good. I'm going to go there rather than, like, take a gamble on going somewhere else. What do you think, Andy? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, I don't know. (laughs) What do you think, Shona? I agree with you. I think um, if you want to, uh, if you've got certain, like, things that you want to achieve in a year, um, then it does involve saying no. Um, but then like that might be quite like a negative way to frame it. It's just that you're fo- you're staying focused on on the on the yeses on the yeses that you need to answer rather than like having your focus and whatever pulled in different directions. So yeah, it's just a it's just a way of framing it. Yeah. But then I, there is there is like a, a spell in your life when you should say yes to more opportunities. Like you should say yes to things that are a bit scary and challenge you and and aren't in your comfort zone. So I think there's space for both. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think even your example there of like, it might seem like you're saying no to things, but really you're just saying yes to something else. Yeah. Like it might be like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to X event and I'm not going to this barbecue and I'm not doing this or whatever. That might seem like saying no, but you're probably saying no because you're doing something else. So really it's just yes but not to that thing yeah yeah i think it's i think people do have that sort of negative connotation on the word no but no is a perfectly valid word and it's it should be used plenty of times um i wonder just... if people are going to be more like that now like after the pandemic like i think people go two ways they'll either be like oh i want to catch up for like lost time and i want to do i want to go out on every single social occasion or there'll be people that are like I have realized that I used to say yes to so many things I didn't want to do. And now I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't need friends. You're all bellends. I'm staying in my flat with my curtain shut. (laughs) Yeah, I think like it's it's that wanting to have it all. You can't have it all. I don't think you have to say no to something along the line. If you want to be successful, like you can't spread yourself too thin. Yeah, I think it also as well, well, um, over the course of the time that we've obviously, that you've you've spent in lockdown, you kind of probably worked out who the people that matter the most in your life are. And as harsh as it sounds, you've probably weeded out the people that don't need to be there. And that's, you know, I think a lot of folk are, I think a lot of people... Everyone listening, he's like, yeah, I've not seen my family for like a year. (laughs) Obviously don't need them. (laughs) But the stuff like family, there'll have been texts, there'll have been Zoom calls, yeah, there'll yeah, been phone yeah. calls, all that stuff. Whereas you'll know that you'll have weeded out people who you've just not spoken to, like for the full duration of time. And you're like, actually, you know, as harsh as this sounds, like sometimes that, sometimes the audit, we were talking about this yesterday about audit in your life when we were, we were <laughs> chatting. And sometimes that needs to happen. Sometimes you need to work out if that person is, should be in your life because are they, are they a negator or are they taking up space where people who actually could be enriching your life are 
potentially could be in your life and yeah well yeah i think that's why saying no is so important like if you look at it from like a work example is quite obvious but it works with family as well or friends and like social life as well but if you're saying like if i said yes to every single podcast i wouldn't be there 100 percent for it and honestly i'd be bored of my own voice and i would just you know when you just have a really crap conversation because you've had too many that day already like you run out of steam so basically you're saying yes to loads of things but you're not half as good like i would rather turn up a hundred percent for the things i really care about than do twice as much but just be half as good at all of it and the same with your friendships like look how much more time and effort you could put into the friendships that really matter to you if you cut out the friendships that you know the ones where you're like "Mm, yeah i've not seen you for a while so we should meet up for coffee and have the exact same chat that we had last time we met up with no real depth at all and neither of us are getting anything out of it or do you think actually i'll go spend that time with one of my other friends who we both get a lot out of enjoying each other's company mm-hmm. yeah and so i think that answers the question about heavy calorie days <laughs> uh... boom tangents yeah tangents are the best though yeah <clears throat> okay we do have oh We've not got very far, actually. <laughs> and we can't stay on for much longer than an hour because uh, Shona can't sit down that long. And actually, neither can I. <laughs> and Andy has a life, so, you know. Yeah. Um, what is really the wish. best long-term approach? I've tried running five days. I enjoyed this. Running four days. Actually, I'm going to skip this because we actually kind of answered it with the other training split question. Yeah. <clears throat> Does your body have an ideal weight it wants to maintain? I always struggle to get past 12 stone. It's like it sits there for weeks. I know I can get below this with a deficit, but why do you plateau at certain weights for longer periods of time? By the way, plateau, spelt correctly, Andy, you'll be pleased. Not Plato. (laughs) I'm sitting going, what's this Greek philosopher done wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone talking about Plato and their check-ins. And to be fair, every time I write Plato, it comes up wrong. It's one of the words I just cannot spell. I mean, obviously, spell check fixes that. But I just find it really hard to spell. So whoever is checking in with Andy, it's P-L-A-T-E-A-U. Is that right? Yeah. Well, Do you know how your mind starts to wander? You read that, and then I'm like, Homer. And then I'm like, Homer Simpson. And then I just remember (laughs) the name of him walking backwards into the hedge. And that's that like... always reminds me of Sarah Cannon. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, now I, I'm sure there is like, um, yes, there is a set point, but however, I don't think that is what is happening here in this question. I think that you've got in your head that 12 stone is like your sticking point, and uh, that's where you're like, right, okay, this is really hard. And it could be that that's when you need to make the the, the additional sacrifices. Um, so you can get to 12 stone quite easily, perhaps, by just like adding in certain habits. But then to get past that, you need to maybe knuckle down a little bit, maybe be a little bit more patient. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. So there is what's termed set point theory. Yeah. But more and so and what from like a real life standpoint that does tend to happen like we all do have sticking points but it's Mm. not really physiological it's behavioral so Mm -hmm. that sticking point tends to be where you're no longer in a deficit 
or you're in a much smaller deficit, which means you need to be a little bit more patient and consistent in order to get past that. Uh, but yeah, like it tends to be that 12 stone will always be that for you because of your lifestyle and because of how much you eat and how much you move. That's why mm. the sticking point is there as opposed yeah. to like a physiological response. Uh, and and then generally, like as we lose weight, the, the body does try and push back to an, an extent. So it will try, it will make you more hungry, which means you might eat a bit more. It will make you move less, which means you're expending less calories and that can contribute to this sort of what seems to be a bit of a sticking point. But yeah, as Shona says, it's, it is completely within your control. It's not that you can't get past it. And it's more a behavioral thing than a physiological thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, one for you, Andy. How long to stay in hypertrophy? This is my first time for purposely trying to build muscle. And I know this takes time. I was originally thinking six months. Is this too long a time frame in your experience? What are the psychological or physical changes of being in a hypertrophy phase? Um, or hypertro- well, how did you say hypertrophy last time? Hypertrophy. 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 <laughs> sounds like somebody, sounds like one of the characters from the fast show, Harry Enfield and Friends. Hypertrophy. 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 Or it's like, like Made in Chelsea. Hypertrophy. Hypertrophy. Hap- um, yeah. Um, how long is a piece of string? Like it's you know hypertrophy phase, or um, can st- you can stay in that for as long as you want. The issues that you're going to have are um, psychologically is getting your head around the fact that you're going to have to eat in towards a deficit, or sorry, a, ca- a surplus. Sorry, um, you know it's getting that mindset switch from because we know that you know a lot of people have that the mental switch where they can't turn from. I, I need to lose weight, I need to put on muscle, and they just can't put the switch in the right position and keep it there. So psychologically is the is the change in calories, is the psychologically and physiologically is the getting uncomfortable phase. So if you're wanting to put on a bit of muscle, you're potentially going to have to get a little bit fluffy, so add a little bit of body fat, um, which may make things a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but it's how long you're willing to stay in that phase is how the length of time that you're going to be able to stay in a hypertrophy phase. Um, you notice I used the hypertrophy and hypertrophy there. And hypertrophy. <laughs> and so hypertrophy. Hypertrophy. So, yeah. yeah, I think, like, I mean, a six-month period is great. It's certainly not too long. No. The other thing I would say, in, like, how you can reduce the psychological burden of this is that yes we know that muscle is hard to build and takes a long time which means we don't need to be in a massive surplus which means actually sitting around maintenance but erring on the side of a surplus is probably going to be your best bet and then really focusing on lifting weights and changing your mindset from you know the scales are going to show my progress to what weights can I lift? Let's let's see if we can just change your your goal to more performance goals because that's where we're going to see the biggest improvements. And generally, after your sort of initial phase of resistance training, improvements in the weights you can lift indicate an improvement in the amount of muscle mass you have. So that's what yeah. we want to focus on. I think that is a big one is the change in progress markers. You know, progress markers, hence the reason that you, in the check-ins, we have your, non, your non-scale your non victories. Progress markers aren't just the number on the scale. Like, the number on the scale will 
can change, can fluctuate. It can move daily. You know, there's much better progress markers when you're trying to put on muscle or build muscle. And as Emma said, Emma nailed it as like the weights you can lift. The stronger you are, the more muscle you're starting to build. So look at that as being that. I think that's the first thing that you that when you certainly in the check-ins because I don't know if you're the same, Shona, across the, like the last few commit to sixes but there's all there through about week from the second check-in there's normally a big swing of people already start to think about oh i think i maybe need to start putting on muscle i need to switch my goals mm-hmm. and it's just trying to get them in that last two weeks to focus on something other than the number on the scales yeah. because let's be fair like you know and this is probably more female more towards females but females are seem to be i think because you exactly as you said because of the pressure like the social pressure and stuff the scale is the progress marker it's the the be all and end all when in actual fact it's not you know there's more progress markers and more uh, progress markers that are much better to look for um so yeah so getting them around it's really hard to get people's mindset away from that isn't it and like all the check-ins are like I feel so much better. I look so much better. My clothes fit better. I can do push-ups now. I could never do any of this before. I've got a great relationship with food. I'm enjoying the whole process, but I'm so disheartened because the scales have only gone down a pound. And you're like, like, can you just reread your own check-in, please? Yeah. Because yeah. like, that's there's nothing I can say apart from basically retell you what you've just told me, and you'll see how ridiculous that is. But yeah, it's hard. Like, I mean, when I say it's ridiculous, like, I completely understand the mindset yeah. of that. It just takes yeah. a lot of time and a lot of reassurance. But that's why you've got us. Um, I'm gonna end it there because we've reached over an hour. We didn't manage to get to the end of the check the question, so we'll have to do a le part two. Um, and if anyone has listened to this and is like, oh, "Commit to six sounds great." then you can head to esgfitness.co.uk and you can sign up to the waiting list for the next intake. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it and share your favourite parts and maybe... Give us a rating. Yeah, maybe give us a rating or something. You know, give us a little tag on Instagram. Tell your friends, tell your family. But more importantly, go fuck yourself. Oh, of course, yeah. Also, (laughs) go fuck yourself. (laughs) 